0: Hello, everyone. We have Jenna Williams on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. We just actually found out that we're only like, what, like 20 minutes away from each other? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Both
1: Minnesota
0: girls. (laughs) I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you like with your story.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Shelly. Yeah, it's uh, great to be on the podcast. I've been a listener for the last. I don't know, maybe five or six months um, and, you know, reached out in hopes um, that sharing my story might be helpful to another woman um, out there who's gone through the same thing. So kind of backing it up a little bit, um, my husband and I met a little bit later in life. Um, When we met, I was 35, and he is three years younger than me, Um, and so he was 32, and um, we dated for a little bit, um, fell in love, got engaged, um, and we got married uh, just um, over a year ago, and so when we got married, I was 30, let's see almost 37. And he would have been, um, again, three years younger than me, about 34. Um, and we we both had always talked throughout our years of dating and being engaged um, about having a family. And that's something that was really, is really important to both of us. And, you know, because of my age being a little bit older, um, I always think it's so comical that doctors will say women over 35 are considered a geriatric pregnancy. Um, you know, I knew I was over 35, and so we didn't want to waste any time in trying to start a family. Um, so you know, I had been on birth control, went off birth control before the wedding, um, and then you know even on the honeymoon, we're like, yeah, we'll just, you know, try and kind of see what happens. And um, my hope was that, you know, we might be pregnant within like three months or so. Um, I had a couple of of good friends who got pregnant on their honeymoon. And so I think, you know, those are the stories that you commonly hear, the cute stories, like, yeah, we, we conceived on our honeymoon. Um, but the stories that I feel like you don't always hear are the ones about, you know, hey, we had to go, we had to take Clomid, we had to do IUIs, we had to do IVF, we had to use a donor egg. Um, those are the stories that you don't hear quite as much. Um, so anyway, we didn't conceive within a couple of months. Um And a couple of months after that, and we were being very deliberate. I was doing um, ovulation predictor kits and tracking my cycles. Um, And, you know, we were just being very methodical, um, where I was like, yeah, it's been, I think it had been about eight or nine months. And I was like, I just feel like, you know, due to my age, we should probably go in. Um, I had read that if you're under 35 and you've been trying for a year and you haven't conceived, um, you might want to go in and and see your doctor. Um, But if you're over 35, if you've been trying for about six months and you haven't gotten pregnant, it might be a good idea to go in as well. So I made an appointment um, with my primary care doctor, and she did some initial blood work. And um, my two numbers um, that people commonly kind of cite when it comes to fertility, your AMH and FSH, both of those came back not in the normal range, Um, you know, kind of even for someone who, who is like 37. Um, So my FSH, my first reading was 17. And they typically like to see that number um, like at 10 or under. And my AMH um, was like 0.6. And they typically like to see that number at one or higher. So when my doctor had called and kind of relayed those results and explained kind of what they meant, Um, you know, I realized like, yeah, I had kind of had this sinking feeling in my stomach month after month, getting negative tests that maybe something was wrong. And those readings kind of confirmed that fear. So she recommended my husband and I to a local um, clinic. And the clinic specializes in um basically everything up until IVF. So medicated cycles, um mon- cycle monitoring, IUIs. Um, so we we felt that that would be a good place at least to start. So um we started meeting there with an OBGYN and um, you know her first recommendation um was you know well, you guys are you're kind of on the fence, you know your numbers in terms of FSH and AMH are not great um, but you may respond to IUI, and obviously it's a lot cheaper. Um, you know, people who are listening probably know that, but usually a cycle of IUI is maybe around $1,000, and um, IVF can be anywhere from maybe fifteen to $25,000, depending on medications, and um, my insurance did not cover IVF. So my husband and I decided that we would start with IUIs, and so I started taking Clomid. Um, and I've heard a lot of horror stories about people taking Clomid um, and and having all kinds of you know emotions and and kind of hormonal reactions. And I actually didn't. Um, have any of that. Um, I didn't really have any side effects. And we went through a couple of cycles and, um, you know, they were negative. Um, You know, I was responding to the Clomid and I was producing eggs, um, but I just wasn't getting pregnant. So I think during this time, you know, it was really hard for me because I had A couple of family members and a couple of close friends who got pregnant. And I think I wasn't prepared for how hard that would be for me. Um, As we were, you know, going through these cycles and taking a test and having it be negative and going back and starting again, um, you know, to get a text from a friend that they were pregnant, or to open Instagram, and the first thing that I see is a pregnancy announcement. Um, I just, you know, my heart just would sink every time. And I'm someone who's a really positive and and caring person. Um, and for me, it was really hard to feel this like deep jealousy and resentment against people in my life that I really care about um, because they were getting this this thing that I just couldn't achieve. Um, and growing up, I was kind of a classic, am still, I guess, classic perfectionist where if I want something, I'll work really hard to get it, um, whether that's a job or training for a half marathon or, you know, deciding to to go out and date and find my husband. Um, I'm just kind of a go-getter. And so for me to sit back and try to go after our dream of having a baby um, with all that I had, but to sit back and watch it happen for probably about a dozen other people in my life over the course of the last you know six months or so is just crushing. I can't really explain it um, any better than that. So you know, we kind of like yeah, kept our heads up, kept going, um, and we were thinking we would do you know, maybe one more IUI and then look at moving over to IVF. And, um, that last IUI cycle, they told us what day to test at home with a a pregnancy test. And I did, and I took the test that day and it was negative. Um, and we kind of were like, okay, like I didn't cry that time. I was used to seeing negative tests. And I called my clinic for cycle day one and they told us, you know, to come in on cycle day three, um, to do the monitoring, to start what probably would have been our last IUI. And we went in on a Saturday and later that Saturday, I was just leaving brunch with a girlfriend and I saw that I had a missed call from the clinic and a voicemail. And I started to listen to it in the bathroom of the restaurant and the nurse um, on the voicemail told me that I was pregnant and I was shocked. I was like, that's not possible because I had gotten what I assumed was my, my period and I had had a negative test, you know, two or three days before. Um, so I had called back and talked to her and she said, yeah, you know, we, we had taken your blood as part of the monitoring and, um, your test came back and you're pregnant. And I was like, this is definitely not what I expected to hear you say. Um, and I told her that I had gotten my period, so I didn't understand. And she said, well, it could just be implementation bleeding. And she described what that was for me. And I was like, no, it's it's really not like that. I really feel like it's like a period. Um, and so she had me come in a couple of days later when I was able to meet with my OB. And my HCG numbers kept doubling and increasing. And so she said, yeah, like you, you probably just had really heavy implementation bleeding, but just in case we want to put you on pelvic rest. So no exercise, um, you know, no running. I do a lot of yoga and she was like, nope, just limit your activity to what's absolutely necessary um, you know, sometimes bleeding is not a sign to be concerned and sometimes it is. And so why don't you take it easy, like we'll hope for the best and come back at six weeks for an early ultrasound. Um, so, you know, we kind of got a, got excited, I guess. Um, you know, there was a part of me that was still... Um, nervous because of the bleeding, but within a couple of days it stopped, and then I did not have any more bleeding um, for for you know for the rest of of the time. so I thought, okay, maybe things actually will be okay and I went out and I bought you know what to expect when you 're expecting and I downloaded the bump app on my phone and uh, being very type A, I read like everything, um, you know, all the things that I wasn't sure about if you could eat during pregnancy or do during pregnancy. Um, you know, I was just constantly googling and reading everything and just trying to make sure that I was doing everything that I could do um, you know to to have a healthy and safe pregnancy and My husband and I went in at six weeks and, um, the technician was like overall very positive, but she was like, the heart rate is a little low. It's not really where it should be, but it's pretty early. You're only six weeks. Um, so, you know, I would just recommend that you come back, you know, every week. Um, and then we'll just kind of keep an eye on it. So, Uh, we went back a week later at seven weeks and, um, the, the ultrasound technician was looking around and, and she, she looked concerned, which I, I knew was not a good sign. Um, and she said, I'm really sorry, but the heartbeat is really low. Um, and she went on to explain kind of the range that the heart rate should be in um, which I already knew from Googling, <laughs> and explained that she just didn't think that this pregnancy was going to be viable. And I just remember like covering my face with my hands. And just like sobbing. Um, And I think I like screamed. I made some kind of like horrible noise where I was like, I feel like everyone in the rooms adjacent to me is hearing me right now, but I don't even care. Um, And so she, you know, our doctor was not working that day. And so she said, you know, why don't you? Come in as soon as you can a second time and make an appointment with her, and you know we'll kind of check it again. So it was just sort of you know a really horrible forty-eight hours until we went back to meet with our doctor. Um, you know i i work full time and so i ended up calling my boss and just telling her everything that was going on and i just said like i i don't think that i can be at work for the rest of this week and she was really understanding and was like yeah you know no um you know do what you need to do so i i was really fortunate in that regard Um, and so we did go back and we did meet with our doctor a couple of days later and, um, there was still a heartbeat, but it was really, really faint or slow. And I had been taking progesterone, um, supplements that were recommended and, um, she basically said, you know, you can stop taking those, um, you don't necessarily have to stay on pelvic rest. Basically, she said, nothing you do is going to matter or is going to change the outcome um, of this pregnancy. And that was was really hard to hear. And since there was a heartbeat, um, you know, both ethically in terms of what we wanted to do. And, um, you know, according to medical practices. Um, you know, she said, as long as there's a heartbeat, you know, we don't or won't intervene. Um, and so she sent us home on a Friday and was basically like, there's nothing we can do except wait for your baby's heart to stop. And that's a really awful thing to to hear. Um So we, you know, that weekend was like the longest weekend of my life. Um, You know, I felt like everywhere I went, I I saw women who were pregnant or had small children. Um, You know, it was like the woman behind me at Target was pregnant, and we went bowling, and the woman at the next lane over was pregnant, and I was just so angry. And so jealous and so sad. Um, and then we we did go back that Monday, and um, they were not able to find a heartbeat. And that was difficult to actually hear them say that and know that, you know, over the weekend we were at Target while we were at a movie, like baby's heart stopped beating. Um, And at that point, you know, we had discussed our options with our OB and we chose to have a DNC. Um, I, I reached out to some other women I know who have had miscarriages, both naturally or um, with the pill that kind of induces things and speeds it up a little bit, as well as women who had a DNC surgery. And um, I didn't talk to anyone who had had a DNC who regretted it, but I had talked to some women who had chosen, um, you know, or had happened You know, not by their choice to miscarry naturally, and I kind of heard, you know, both sides, like that. And so, just bad option because none of them are situations that you want to be in or are choosing for yourself. Um, and so we did decide to to pick the DNC, and I had that surgery two days later. Um, and I was, I was really nervous, um, both physically and emotionally. I really hate like medical stuff and I, I hated the whole situation. So it was a a really tough experience. Um, you know, it helped that my doctor did the procedure. And so I knew she was there and I had a relationship with her um you know and when it was over I, I really didn't remember anything um after they had given me the anesthesia but you know when i woke up and i realized where i was and you know why i was there um i just started crying and you know i mean it's it's just indescribable when you're so excited and so hopeful for your chance to have a baby especially after struggling with infertility, I think, and then to just have it, you know, taken away from you or yanked out from under you. Um, so I took a couple of days, you know, off of work to physically heal. The physical healing wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, and I definitely don't regret my decision to have the DNC. It was fairly physically easy and painless for the most part, but emotionally, um, you know, it, it's, it's been a hard road to get to a place where, um, you know, I can go to work and I can pay attention and I can, can function and see, see friends and, you know, grocery shop and just kind of get through daily life. Um, so, you know, we, we did decide with the DNC to have testing done. Um, our doctor explained that even though it was our first miscarriage, um, that that was something for an extra fee that we could choose to do. And um, my husband and I both like answers and like information. Um, and so we decided that we did want to know if there was anything that we could know that would help us in the future as we keep going on our family building journey. Um, and so we did a lot to have testing done. And so for about two weeks between the DNC, which was in mid-February, um, and then the, the tail end of the month, um, so pretty recently, just about a, a week or two ago, um you know we we kind of waited and um you know went back and and saw our doctor and um she explained that there wasn't a lot of information that could be deduced from the test results and she wasn't quite sure it was really hard to say why we miscarried um And she was able to tell us the gender of the baby. And that was something that I wanted to know. I just felt I had carried him or her even for a short time. And I really felt like compelled that I I had to know. Um, And so she was able to tell us that he was a boy. Um, And I think, you know, that was... A hard thing to to know, um, and to imagine who he would have been, you know what he would have looked like, what we would have uh, named him, um, you know if he would have looked like my husband as a child. Um, I think you know that was just it was hard to kind of have that finality of just knowing that fact, but I also felt like if I chose not to know that I would regret it. So, um, that's, that's kind of our story, um, as to, as to what happened. Um, and since then, I've just been trying to take some time to heal physically and emotionally, um, I've been going to see a therapist who specializes in infertility and perinatal loss, and I'm a huge believer in the power of therapy, um, and so I think that's been really beneficial for me, and I've been able to go back to yoga, which is something that, for me, is is really healing and therapeutic as well. Um, and, and was you know able to go back to work. And I think being busy is something that's also really healthy for me. Um, and we have a really great support system with our family and friends. Um, but yeah, some days some days are better than others. and I think anyone going through a miscarriage or who has been through a miscarriage, um, you know, can identify with that. There's there's days where I feel hopeful about our next steps, and then there's days where I feel like it will never be our turn. Um, so this journey is definitely the hardest experience that I've walked through. Um, and you know, there are so many feelings associated with it. Um, So I've been able to connect with other women online, as well as um, at a local in-person support group through the National Infertility Association called Resolve. And uh, once a month, that group meets in person. And I've met some other women in my area that way, as well as um, online through Instagram. So I feel a sense of community. And I feel like... Even though I don't know that many people for real in my day to day life who are going through infertility or miscarriage at the moment, um, I've, I've met a lot of women online and, and some through this in person support group who are in that boat. And I think realizing that you're not the only one
0: is really helpful. I totally agree. Now what, if you don't mind me asking, like, what are your guys' next steps?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're, we're kind of in, I've called it like the hellish limbo where, um, we're, we're essentially waiting, um, for my HCG levels to drop and for my period to come back. And um, we had our DNC mid-February, um, and now, yeah, it's, uh, what, March 7? <laughs> so um, our, my, my OB said, well, we're going to have you come back once a week, and we'll keep testing your HCG until it's back to normal. And this week, it was very close to back to normal. Um, so next week we'll go back one more time, hopefully, and hopefully it will be back to normal. Um, so we've been really talking to a lot of our um, acquaintances, um, people in our network who have gone through IVF, and from the very beginning, our doctor had said, you know, you guys could could be a candidate to go straight to IVF, or because it's much more affordable. You can try IUI first, um, and so at this point, you know, we're we're kind of of the mindset that going back to IUI is is kind of rolling the dice with lower odds of success. And um, you know, I'll I'll be thirty eight, um, you know, at the end of the summer, um, and so we we also don't really want to waste time. So um, we're we're currently of the mindset that the IVF is the best next step. It's obviously expensive and invasive, um, but our doctor said IVF is the fastest way with the best odds to a healthy live birth. And that's ultimately what we want. So in the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to meet other women I know in the area who have gone through IVF for coffee or for dinner um, to just really learn about what their experience was firsthand, um, you know, what they wish they would have known prior to going through IVF, what kinds of tips and advice they might have, um, and our current clinic, does not do IVF, but we have had a consultation at um, a neighboring clinic that that specializes in IVF and so our current clinic would send all of our records over to the new clinic and um, you know we really liked the doctor we met with. They have a really great reputation. Um, and so they told us as soon as your blood pregnancy test is negative, um, you know, we'll, we'll see you to begin a workup. So I'm hoping in the next, you know, two weeks or so that that's where we'll be.
0: Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be?
1: Yeah. Yes. I've heard you ask that because I, I listen regularly. Um. So my advice personally is to reach out to other women who are in the same boat or have been in the same boat. I think most of my comfort and strength and hope has come from other women who have shared their experience with me. There is an organization national. They have a national presence called Fruitful, um, Fruitful Fertility, and they match women going through infertility with a mentor um, who can kind of you know support them along the way. And the mentor is someone who has gone through either um, a fertility journey that involves well a fertility journey of some kind, and. Um, they're no longer struggling with infertility. And so I got matched with a mentor through Fruitful um, in October, and she has been really great. I've been able to text her, call her, meet up with her, and she conceived her daughter through IVF. And so she's a really great person for me to talk to right now. Um, So I think whether it's online, through Instagram, Or it's through an in person support group run by Resolve in your area. Um, Or, you know, checking out, like I said, Fruitful has been really helpful for me to have a mentor or just, you know, other women you know through work or through, you know, your friends or your partner's friends. Um, Talking to other women has really made me feel like I'm not the only one and that there is hope. Um, you know, no matter what that looks like for us on our family building journey, that we have options and that somehow we'll come out the other side.
0: I have never heard of. Did you say fruitful fertility? Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that before.
1: Yeah, they have a website and they have an Instagram account. Um, yeah, I'm like
0: googling it right now. I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: the woman who founded it is is from Minneapolis, and okay. so she's local. Um, her name is Elise Ash and I did not know her before this, but we have several like friends in common. Um, and so I sent her a message on LinkedIn and then I signed up to be part of, um, the matching program Mm -hmm. and, um, got matched up with a woman by the name of Keelan, who's really great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's basically like, just like you would have a mentor at work at your job. Yeah. Um, it's a fertility mentor um, for women who are struggling to conceive.
0: That's so cool. What a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It really, it really is. And they, they've started here in Minneapolis um, and they have an app on the app store and iTunes or whatever that you can download um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a great resource if there are women who are struggling, um, you know, to get pregnant and they're looking
0: for support. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so cool. Well, thank you for bringing that to all of our attention, but that's out yeah. there. Uh, now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Instagram
1: all the time, <laughs> especially lately. Um, and so my Instagram is my first name J E N N A, my my maiden name Bennett B E N N E T T, and my married last name Williams, spelled normally. Um, and so yeah, people are are welcome to send me messages on Instagram. You're welcome to tag me. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely share out the episode once it's um, posted as well.
0: Awesome. I will link your Instagram in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for feeling the pull to share and jumping on and just helping everybody feel a little less alone. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And thank you for doing what you do. Um, I, I don't recall exactly how I found out about Life After Miscarriage um but somewhere along the way someone else had posted something you know from you and i was like how interesting there's a podcast for that <laughs> and so um i ended up you know going and finding the podcast and listening to a couple of episodes and um it really resonated with me and so thank you for doing what you do um i feel like You know, there's a quote that says, you can choose to grow through what you go through. And I think, you know, using hard things, no matter what they are, to help other women or help other people in your life or provide a light for someone who is in the darkness. um, I think that is just such a positive choice to make.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. It really does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I I I like I said, looked at the website and the podcast and I was like, it's still pretty fresh, but I think I want to do that.
0: <laughs> well, I couldn't do this without you girls. So I just really <laughs> appreciate you jumping on and sharing. It yeah. means the world. And it's gonna yeah. change so many lives, which is so cool.
1: Yeah, I've been really open as you May have seen or would will see if you go to my Instagram. Um, you know, I shared about our infertility struggles and I shared about our miscarriage. And, um, you know, I had people message me who saw my post about our loss from Germany and from England, isn't that cool?
0: Yeah, and I was all over the
1: world yeah, I don't know anyone in Germany or England or Israel. Um, so I just felt like it's not right for everyone to share. Not everyone is comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm a very like transparent and open person about everything in my life. So am I.
0: <laughs> Probably a little too so, much sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I think sometimes my husband's like, uh, maybe you shouldn't have shared that. <laughs> but um yeah, I just feel like I'm kind of an open book. And if I can bring awareness to something, or if I can help someone else, or if someone knows this about me and it happens to them in two years, they'll know that they can come back and talk to me and I'll understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it wasn't ever a choice whether or not to share it. I knew that I would.
0: I always say vulnerability is a superpower. It really is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I know Brene Brown says, you know, like mm-hmm. vulnerability is I like love her. ultimate <laughs> strength. I really love her too. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. I just think, if people don't talk about it, then you don't know how normal it is. And, you know, that way, if someone else is struggling, they know that you understand and you're a safe person for them to go to.
0: Yes, I totally yeah. agree. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. Yeah, thank you, you for the time. having me.
1: I really yes. appreciate it. Sorry for the cleaning drama at the beginning. <laughs> You're all good. <laughs> all is okay. She did not come back.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Okay, yeah. well, we stay in touch. I'll be following yeah. you along. And I wish you the me? best of luck.